really, really hard and they execute your system and that's what it's all about. Yes, sir. Trust. Big trust. Big trust. Big trust. Hey, yes, sir. Right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, back it's the jumbo set it is week two officially week two of the nfl season isn't that crazy to think we're already one week in where is the time gone how many more weeks of football do we have left i'm already thinking of it i'm already i'm already in that mental state what, what are you going to do to take me off that ledge man that's fast i mean i think my to get you off that mental ledge i would just say that we're now just starting what the season was like three years ago we have 16 games left so now it's a, a full season. That's that good. was our bonus game. That was that was technically a preseason game. We have one less preseason game, one more regular season game. So that was just preseason. That's all. That's a good way of putting it. It's almost like I think the NFL should just continue to expand and expand. And I think like in five years, one more game, five years after that, one more game, and then just exponentially adding two, three, until there's just a game every single week. Who was it? I think Marlon said there should be like 76 games in, in one season, right? I think he said he would just die. I think he was just talking about it. He was like, we would just die. We'll uh, we'll have to check with the settlement on that, see what's going on. But uh, yeah, we are officially back for week two, the Baltimore Ravens, as you probably saw, and as you probably heard on the flagship podcast where we broke it all down on this very podcast feed or YouTube channel that you are currently watching or listening to this. We broke down the game, but we're back here to do uh, some deep dives. So my name is Jake Luke, of course. I'm joined by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. And uh, how are we doing before we get into all this? Been well, made it through through all the tape. It was a pretty tumultuous Monday night game with Aaron Rodgers just <laughs> popping an Achilles before he even completed a pass or accumulated one yard as a New York Jet. So that was pretty insane. Zach Wilson, as White Claw Gabe likes to say, comes on in and just looks about as Zach Wilson as Zach Wilson can Zach Wilson the entire game. Josh Allen is just a drunken toddler running around with the football, fumbling the ball, getting absolutely knocked out by Michael Clemens for a minute, giving the ball up in his own territory, throwing this, uh, three picks in one game. So four turnover game for Josh Allen. The only other time he's done that was, oh, last year against the Jets in the Meadowlands. So very strange game there. Uh, the Orioles getting, getting bumping tonight. Got John Means on the mound. So we're recording a bit early so we can get after that. And, yeah, all's well. The Ravens are 1-0. Some injuries piled up. We talked about that a good bit. But, hey, man, divisional game, exciting game against the Bengals coming up. That should be pretty fun and weird. God, Jets fans, man. I, I cannot help but feel bad for them. Dan Hansis, Connor Rogers, all, all my hitters out there. That's, that's a tough break, man. And, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, like, <laughs> dude, that is fucking crazy. We just – can you – all that we just went through, and like I say we, and like as if I'm like actually going through anything, but like the past five, six months, whatever this is, since that, all the rumors started to bubble up, really the last couple of years. I mean, it all led to this, and four plays in, he just crumples in a heap on the ground, and that's it, and maybe that's it for his career. I would probably bet not if we were, uh, if we were having to make a bet right now, but man, what a, uh, a weird, weird headspace you have to be in as a New York Jet fan right now. But a lot of them are, you know, they're doing their... Uh, self-defense mechanism thing like oh this is just what happens to us that kind of thing which i totally get but yeah kevin clancy just goes crazy and this is why i don't care this is why i don't let myself he's care. yeah he's a little more on the egregious side of that end he's of just it. like the worst he's the worst fan he's like the worst person in sports that's not even really in sports but sometimes talks about sports he's more of a mets guy so like he'll do that he can do that with the jets a lot easier than he, he does, does he's not a sports guy but he like started barstool sports with dave kind of like joined forces very early kfc's a weird guy but he's a, he's a comedy guy he is he's he's a talk, he's a talk show host essentially just kind of like us yeah very much so so um yeah shout out to all those jets boys very very strange overall i don't think aaron Rodgers will be done because he has another 37 and a half million he's owed yet next year he's gonna get the surgery either way I don't, Achilles, I'm sure it's horrible, miserable, terrible, painful. Rehab sucks. Work sucks. I know. You know, always I'll be there. Wow. You'll be there at my show. But <clears throat> he's going to do it anyway. He's owed money. I think I think he'll play next year. I think they'll they'll give it one little ride. Um, Achilles is weird. There's not a lot of quarterbacks that have suffered that injury. 
ironically, Vinny Testaverde did. I think it was the opener of 1999 yep. after the Jets lost to the Broncos in the 1998 AFC Championship with a really tough team. Same exact thing happened. So for the for the like 38 year old New York Jets fan, this is just really the worst thing that's ever happened in your life, and you've seen it happen twice. Yeah, no, I that's absolutely brutal. I could not imagine. So I wanted to open the show, of course, with a little bit of a, uh, a shout out to. Shout out to Jets fans. And of course, we also got a shout out Jimmy's Famous Seafood, our presenting sponsor, uh, as we really uh, jump into things here. And I wanted to once again beat you guys over the head with uh, September 25th. Jimmy's doing a little meet and greet with Grayson Rodriguez, Crab Cakes and Baseball, uh, with our very own Eric Arditi joining in the the festivities there. I I wonder if that's sold out quite yet. It might not be, but check out their website, jimmysfamousseafood.com events tab it's under there if you want to get yourself some tickets but jumping into the state of the ravens so as you mentioned you broke down the tape i watched a little bit back of the broadcast myself before we got rolling here so we got uh, a notebook full of your thoughts we got uh, sunday's game tape we got some uh, mea culpas or as we're calling them mega culpas to get to uh just absolutely jumbo sized culpas where we've, we've got all the culpas here about what we were wrong about heading into this game. Uh, initial thoughts that we didn't really hit on, um, diving a little bit deeper than we did on the Sunday pod. So from the defensive side of the football pertaining to the Ravens, just didn't really get a chance to venture that deep in. Obviously, Roquan Smith had a big day, a couple other things, whatever. But I was just a little stunned that really it felt this way, but I was even more stunned at how neutered the Texans' offense was in play calling. They weren't going to let C.J. Stroud have a dumpster fire day. He wasn't going to be taking a bunch of risks and chances and exposed. They rolled him out. They had him throw underneath. Didn't ask him to throw the ball over the middle of the field in the intermediate area. Wasn't a lot of advanced reads or progressions or anything like that. So I guess the biggest takeaway, I guess, in that sense, and, and maybe maybe that we didn't cover, was that uh, Mega Culpa, which I think is hysterical. Great job by you. I was like, yeah, let's do let's do something where you do corrections, but make it jumbo size. Jake's immediately like, yeah, Mega Culpa. I was like, oh, can I uh, can I give a Mega Culpa on that? Yeah, of course. Autocorrect gave me the idea because I wrote out Mega Culpas and it said Mega Culpa, and I was like, well, autocorrect, you you slick bastard, you. And here we are. That's amazing. I love it even more now. So we'll be doing these little corrections, things we might have said. You know, sometimes we drink a little frat soda on Sundays when we're partaking and then come back a little more sober. So I'm fired up for the jumbo set for that reason. But uh, the Ravens defense looked like, and it was funny, the best way to describe it was just, it was the exact same defense as last year. They're a little more confident in it and they're all just huffing down smelling salts on the sideline. Roquan Smith had a cool 20s, like passing them around. They just played like it was last year on smelling salts and they just wanted to go run through drywall and like chug monster energies. I don't know if they were packing Zimbabwe upper decky pouch pillows or what, but those guys were caffeinated. They maybe had some nicotine, who knows what else they were doing. And uh, they, they were hitting, but we just didn't really, it really was like a preseason game. The Ravens just played a fourth preseason game. Essentially it was a rookie quarterback neutered offense. The Texans just, Really, Not a lot to be like, wow, this looked different, or I was expecting this, and this happened. The corners didn't really get tested much. Like It was it was truly like almost an exhibition game. It's really a first preseason game when you think about it, because, I mean, you played Flowers, and that was kind of it in the preseason. Yeah, you know, John. I think John Simpson was like the only other guy that got run from the starters offensively. Ajabo played, you know, whatever. A couple guys played defensively. Maybe Kyle Hamilton, maybe. I don't remember. But uh, defensively, just really not a lot to take away when you watch it. Like it, it looks similar. They did some fun things with Michael Pierce dropping into coverage, David Ajabo and Adafe Owe mugged. And then they lined up, I think Matt Abike and Pierce as defensive ends on some snaps, simulating pressure, doing that kind of stuff. Uh, my real mega culpa is I tweeted it and I just like, there's really the one run I crunched. It's, or I, I tweeted about the Ravens ran a concept called crunch that, I don't really recall them running. Uh, Mike Crawford tweeted they run it, ran it a couple times. And it looked like, oh, wow, Gus Edwards really had a monster run. And really, it was just the easiest run in the entire Was this world. that like wham concept you were trying to locate? Yeah, so it was wham and trap. Trap is when you let uh, an interior defensive lineman through and you basically just pull a guard like right at their side. And it's like a, it's like a little Trojan horse, like welcome to pick. the backfield. Yeah. Just kidding. Someone's going to jump you in your hip. But they did like a, it's like a triple version of it. I think it's called Big Crunch from what Mike said, where it was they let three unblocked defenders into the backfield. Pat Ricard 
whammed. Wham is a trap block from a tight end. And then they trapped the other two, and Gus Edwards just took off upfield. We saw Tyler Linderbaum and Ronnie Stanley release. So that made me think, like, oh, wow, Gus Edwards looks great in this offense. I honestly, when I went back, was not overwhelmed or underwhelmed, really. But I just think Justice Hill looks a little sharper. Um, so I tweeted out, I was like, I think Gus Edwards is going to be monstrous. I think Justice Hill is going to be the guy in this offense. He looks like a better fit in, in Munkin's scheme a little. I'm sure Gus Edwards will do some nice things maybe. Didn't look super explosive. That was really one of my big takeaways too. I don't know if it was like the grass on the field or what, but it just – Zay Flowers looked like quick. There just wasn't really any speed in this game. I think Adafe Owe and Roquan Smith played explosively. Um, you know, a couple guys, but it was there weren't any plays in this game over 30 yards. Like the lo- I think the longest play from scrimmage was 29 yards. Dude, I think is- the energy was just weird. Like I was talking about the stagnant air on the recap. Like there was no wind, no breeze, nothing. It was just like this consistent, like 85 degree, humid, a little bit of rain here and there. It was just weird, weird energy in that stadium. Yeah, it really was. And I honestly, like crowd wise, crowd got into it, especially when Odell Beckham had a big catch. Crowd was yeah, crowd was fine. I thought they, I thought the crowd was good. But it just wasn't like, oh, my God, opening day. It's a crazy, you know, ravenous crowd. I will compare Yeah, I'll compare every opening day to that Cardinals one we went to in 2019. Like, that one was like, it felt like a baseball opening day. Um, but, yeah, right. it, it's been tough since then. We've you, You've hit on it. Like, we've had that Bills game in the rain the year. I think before that, we've had other ones in the rain. It's just been kind of shitty, and this year was no exception. Definitely. It was gross. It was certainly gross. It was kind of gross. I'm assuming the field was gross, but... Just walking through there, um, the Ravens, and I, I think I even forgot that Lamar Jackson, when I was at the game, I think I forgot that he really gave away the ball three times. I forgot about how wild the second fumble was later in the game in their own territory, in the Ravens' territory. He just dropped the football, and then Justice Hill kicks it by accident, and then the Texans get the ball in the red zone pretty much. So um, operationally, horrific. He had another Snap fumble count. that he didn't lose either. He... um he was like on the run. I think it was a scramble and uh ball kind of just, I think somebody popped it out or something like that. He just, but he, it could have been avoided. He just wasn't really paying attention and uh Ravens recovered it, but they, they were fortunate. Definitely. And I saw sports center just posted and said, Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Jalen hurts have $960 million, basically a billion dollars of total contracts and accounted for zero touchdowns this weekend. Yeah, so love, love me some wallet-watching content. Let's do as much of that as we can. Well, Great I mean, stuff. throw Josh Allen in there, too. Throw Mahomes in there. There's, you know, $1.5 billion, more than that. It's like almost $2 billion worth of guys that didn't really play well. So, again, I think this opener around the NFL, we heard Harbaugh talk about it. Like, yeah, we'd like to maybe revisit the cadence, the term of the offseason a little bit. It looked like a lot of sloppy play. We saw the Dolphins looked sharp. Um, we saw the Cowboys obviously pummel the Giants, a couple things, but just a weird week one. Uh, the Ravens offensive line looked like they had no idea what the snap count was a ton on tape. That wasn't great. Uh, it felt horrible. They were confused. They were having trouble getting off the ball. They let up pressure on a third and 10. They just like were looked like it was almost like a cartoon. Morgan Moses and Kevin Zeitler are looking at each other as three defenders are streaming into the backfield and the ball is snapped and Lamar Jackson gets intentional grounding. So um, operationally terrible. Jeff's Reback posted his kind of, I guess, uh, thoughts of the week or whatever article he does. Great job, obviously. Jeff's the best. And he said it was, you know, how much maybe were the Ravens looking to maybe keep it very vanilla against an opponent they thought they could kick the teeth into? That's something we talked about last week on this show. And maybe that was it very much. But then it was like, they couldn't snap the ball well. The the handoff timing looked weird, so there definitely was a rust aspect to it as well. Um, Odell Beckham on tape looked all right. I don't, I don't know. I th- I think he's going to be playing like a very different game than what we're used to, or what maybe really anyone thinks. I think he's going to be playing like a grown man's kind of X receiver. He pretty much exclusively lined up as the the split end, the the X receiver on ball. Ravens isolated him a ton. Bateman was pretty much in the slot as the the H or whatever they call it. And then Zay Flowers was playing flanker a lot. There were a lot of trips, bunches with Bateman, a tight end, and Flowers involved. Sometimes the point man was, um, you know, one or the other, a little interchangeable there. But I thought it was pretty interesting that Beckham really just is the, the X. So um, his release package looked solid, like normal, but I just don't know. He... he Slipped a lot. He fell. He looked off balance. Didn't look super like, oh, wow, Odell Beckham's 
really breaking guys off at the top of a route, but maybe it was a little jitters. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but receivers looked great. I think Bateman looked strong. Um, I really liked what I saw from Bateman attacking upfield after the catch. He like decisively worked back to Lamar on a play where he came wide open, but Lamar's had no protection, which was the theme of this game. We have hit on a ton, but worked exclusively back to the ball and laid out for it and like gave up. It was like, I'm not going to try and run through the catch and turn around and zigzag and shuck and jive. It was like, no, I'm just going to make sure I catch this ball and give up. He caught another one is basically a check down, I think on a second and 18 and then sprinted directly at two DBs as hard as he could and kind of ran them over a little and got like an extra yard or two. So that looked confident. I was happy to see that. Um, I think the receivers looked really nice. And then, I mean, Will Anderson, what he did to Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kohler was just, it was unseemly. It was, I can't it was share, I can't even share some of the things you were saying about him in the, uh, the group chat. I love me some Will Anderson big time, big time. Yeah, I was saying some pretty raunchy things about my love for Will Anderson, but he, he owns real estate. I'm really worried about a Trey Hendrickson. I'm really worried about a TJ Watt. I'm really worried about Quiddy Pay and DeForest Buckner and some of those guys. So it's going to be trial by fire. You're not going to have Ronnie Stanley. You're not going to have Tyler Linderbaum. Probably at least, I would guess, two weeks. Maybe Ronnie Stanley plays next week. We'll see. But um, I was just kind of surprised by like, it, it was just so sloppy offensively. It was like strange. But then they dialed in a couple things. The slot fade to Zay Flowers down the sideline. Uh, under center comeback play action in the second half to thwart the pass rush a, a little bit. It was like when they knew they had to do something, they dialed in some plays that looked a little more confident and got it going. But uh, Pat Ricard ends up basically having to come kind of save the day for this pass protection a bit. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. And I guess my biggest maybe takeaway is that Todd Munkin's going to have to do some soul searching of like, hey, they brought me in to spread things out for Lamar, like, you know, a la Josh Allen or whatever has had but my offensive line I flatly can, can say right now without Stanley Linderbaum like they have a bottom five offensive line in the NFL I would think in terms of you know on paper or whatever as any I mean back. if you lose two starters yeah I feel like a lot two of teams. starters and then I mean John Simpson has a huge PFF grade that made no sense to me Morgan Moses too got whooped a few times and had a penalty and I think let up a sack has a huge PFF grade that made no sense so um how much can you spread the field out because when you do, you just put your offensive line in an, on a little island and say, don't don't let up sacks. Whatever the defensive front does, you're going to have to sort it out. So I think that's going to really stunt this whole, we're going to change into the Madden, Sean McVay, whatever everybody thought of the offseason. I am not comfortable with Charlie Kohler, Isaiah Likely blocking right now. I'm, I'm Mark Andrews is banged up. We'll see. Hopefully he plays, but... Man, they they really can't be doing five man pass pro stuff. You don't have a back. Justice Hill had a couple nice uh, reps in pass pro, stepping up, picking up blitz and stuff. But still, I don't trust him either. So, I I don't know. I, I think this offense is going to be pretty slow rolling to that fast paced, no huddle eleven spread that kind of we got sold on pretty quickly. So I think that's going to take a month or two to to see. Yeah, no, I think uh, you hit on a lot there, and it's all very, very well said. Offensive line, definitely a concern. I mean, they they didn't even look that great when they were all out there at full strength. To your point, there was a lot of rust. There was a lot of just it felt like communication was maybe tough for some reason. And, yeah, they struggled. So it's going to be tough without Linderbaum. He is going to be out of the lineup for a couple weeks per John, to your point. We'll see with Stanley. It feels like he's kind of on a pitch count to begin with, like for the perpetuity for the rest of his career, which is weird, but uh, kind of just where they're at. You'd much rather have him than not. But yeah, offensively, I mean, it looked solid to me overall, and it kind of gets into the point that we uh, are going to make here with my one burden question. Um, it looked like they were determined to go through flowers, and I think that's really good, and I think it's really good that they had success doing it. I mean, Jackson's interception came pretty early and he was kind of stepping up in the pocket panic a little bit and he just threw it in Zay's direction and I feel like he sees him as a, a security blanket at this point and uh, that's really good to see but yeah they were running other plays through him they were doing different stuff with him they were doing the uh, Devin DuVernay shout out to Greg Roman little jet sweep stuff they faked that on Justice Hill's touchdown it worked to perfection the slot fade was a, a key third down they converted another th third down on the uh, wide receiver screen just looked awesome in a lot of different facets and people on Twitter are giving him his flowers. 
uh, you know, Nate Tice, Jetpack Galileo, all our guys are, are really, really all over him. And that's great to see. And it does, but it does kind of bring up a question. Like it feels like in years past to me, the Ravens would draft one of these guys. And I'm not even really talking about like the Perryman, which was just a weird pick to begin with, but you draft a Bateman and he's just got to be the guy from day one. And it just didn't really work out. And it like Bateman was the guy, he did look like the guy in 2021 at times, but it just kind of felt like you buckle under the pressure of the, under that a little bit. If you're a rookie, I think that's totally understandable. So my Missed question, a good portion of camp it yeah. was banged up. You know, your body's not as sharp as you wanted it and he gets hurt. And so my question is, and you hit on the fact that Beckham looked kind of meh, but you hit on the fact that he is kind of playing that X role that Anquan Bolden, like just the respected veteran on the outside, drawing a lot of attention is Odell Beckham, the most important skill player in this offense for what he opens up the other receivers abilities to do, because they've never had a guy that can draw attention and can bring out the talent that they also did not have behind them uh, at wide receiver. I'm just, I'm really intrigued by his role uh, moving forward. I think he's a a really important piece. Yeah. I think the thing that stands out to to answer your question, I'm going to say no, but just if we're going based on week one, no is the answer. Um, I don't think that if I'm watching tape, I'm not like, oh, wow, I need to shade towards Beckham. I'm going to let my corner, if I, if I have, uh, what, Chidobi Awuzie, I guess, is going to be that guy for the Bengals a good bit. I'm like, oh, yeah, go go battle. Go go do your thing. Derek Stingley um, definitely took it to Beckham on a few reps. but He got he drew the P.I. off Stingley, though, that, that first big P.I. Yes, uh, definitely. But the the thing that Beckham's bringing is ball skills, the throw it up ability, some tracking ability. Um, I, I think he'll pick it up. I mean, it was his first game in 18 months. So it's going to be a while. Uh, he's going to have a little ramp up. Him and Lamar have never played in a game together, and it's his first game in 18 months. But hard to think that guy's not Zay Flowers if there's a most important of the, the receiving core. And, and say, yeah, and I think saying no to that question is I'm not necessarily like, I'm not totally all the way there to think that Beckham is. I think it's a compliment to Flowers to say that he's not actually because like it, it gives more credit to Flowers to say, hey, he doesn't need like attention being drawn away from him necessarily. Definitely. And Flowers is able to do a lot more overall. I think he's just going to be more of a true actual like 40 plus yard threat once they get there. Um, I'm looking at the Bengals game too and it's, I was, I was joking earlier. I was like, are we about to see a half half billion dollar mid-off, basically? <laughs> Burrow went 0 for 5 over 20 yards and 1 for, I think, 8 over 10 yards, air yards-wise. When he was blitzed, he went 3 of 12 and had 1.9 yards per attempt. Neither guy completed a deep ball, which is great. Like, I mean, Lamar technically did like a had like a 29-yard... That's technically a deep ball. I chart that as a deep ball over 20 yards. But, I mean, didn't even really try to push anything further than that. So, very peculiar place to be. And I just – it was truly – I'm going to say for the 15th time, it was like a preseason game. I just don't – it felt like such a watered-down experience of what an offense wants to do at their fullest, really for the Texans especially. But in Baltimore, we saw a couple glimpses. We saw the slot fade. We saw the play action to Flowers. We saw a couple um, deeper shots. So back. I guess the PI was probably longer than thirty yards. So I'll take. I'll retract that part. But um, it, it was weird. It was a, a weird experience. Lamar didn't target the middle of the field at all. I don't know, man. It's it's really. I, I haven't gotten to the Bengals tape yet. We'll talk about that more later in the week when we get to the review. But man, um, the offense ran through Zay Flowers. He looked the best to me by far. Looked like he doesn't care about. A defender coming to go hit him. He will concentrate on the football. Drops are something I do expect because I think we will see some of those. Like I mentioned, Rashad Bateman wasn't trying to run through the catch. Flowers will a little bit. He's going to. He's he's electric. So um, very strange, very, very, very strange day for both teams. I guess the Bengals had a strange game too. So I'm just really curious how this game matches up. But right now, man, I mean, Flowers is their do-it-all, and he's the only guy who's been healthy on their entire Nelson Aguilar is the only other one of their entire offense, except for maybe like Morgan Moses, Zeitler, and that I think that's it. The only guy who has been healthy for a sustained period of time is Zay Flowers, especially pertain like Mark Andrews is hurt. Isaiah likely had an injury. Charlie Kohler was hurt last year. J.K. Dobbins is hurt. Gus Edwards has been hurt. 
Justice Hill had an Achilles. Um, Odell Beckham, obviously. Rashad Bateman's missed time. Lamar Jackson has missed time. The only guy who has just been playing football for like two, three years is Zay Flowers. It's crazy. They have a whole offense, basically, of guys that have missed time. Pretty much. And, uh, yeah, it does, like, it goes into kind of talking about what we spoke about with the full preview where I said, look at this schedule. Like, it's going to be tough. And before all this all this injury nonsense, I had them starting out at two and three. I feel like that would be pretty good at this point. When you, and especially when you look at the way the schedule softens up. Like, that was kind of my point, is that it's difficult to open the year. Three division games, three of them on the road. That's it, going to be brutal for anyone. And the Browns looked really good. And the Bengals, you know they're going to fucking... <laughs> tighten up their chin straps and they're always going to want to come out and beat the Ravens and it's their home opener and it's, you know, Joey fire Fitz just got paid however much money. So it's going to be good vibes in there, I think. And they're going to have that to deal with Steelers. Who knows? I don't know. They'll, they'll probably be nine and eight again, whatever at, at absolute worst. So that's going to be tough. And I mean, if you can get through this stretch with two wins, three wins, then you get Bowser back, you get Humphrey back. Hopefully Stanley's good to go. Hopefully Linderbaum is back in the lineup. Hopefully you have a positive outlook on Marcus Williams. Hopefully some of these guys behind them have stepped up well. Uh, I do think they're outfitted pretty well depth-wise in a lot of ways, though. And it's something that, uh, shout out to our guy Voss, who gets on them a little bit for being too focused on depth. I mean, I feel like this depth has saved them in certain you know positions where... They've had a lot of injury problems like this in the last couple of years. And I mean, at this point, it feels like they have tried everything. They got rid of Saunders. They've done things with their nutrition. They fixed the uh, way that they've approached or fixed. You know, they've changed the way that they've approached preseason and training camp. They tried to do everything. And it just they started worked. practicing in the afternoon for the first time, I think, in my memory of the Baltimore Ravens. They yeah. changed from morning practice to afternoon because they think that it's less likely to sustain injury based on whatever. Which I always found to be interesting in, in Baltimore in August, but I mean, that's uh, another conversation entirely. But yeah, it's just been, uh, it's just a storm you're going to have to weather, and I feel like you're better off weathering it early in the season, and I think they have the depth and the pedigree to get them through this stretch, and like I said, if they can get through a two and three, you're probably going to be okay long term if you can just right the ship, you know, three and two would be solid, but let's just, you know, see what happens in this, uh, this upcoming, uh, you know. Very pretty critical matchup against the Bengals. It's going to be a big one for the Bengals. Too. All three of those games, if they can go two and one, they're sitting pretty. I yeah, mean, I mean that's that's really what you're looking at. You're going to have another rookie quarterback who didn't throw left last <laughs> week. You look at if you go look at Anthony Richardson's wow. next gen stats spray chart, he threw I think two of his like 30 passes. I think he looked left. exactly like we said he was going to look like throughout the season in that game. Like when I watched him, I was like, oh, yep, that's pretty much exactly what I expected. And they almost won to their credit. Yeah, and they have a nice pass rush. Col Colts are like a, just a tough. They're tough out, and then they'll like get thro absolutely throttled in like November or something. They're they're a weird team, but um, the Ravens will get another rookie. It's it's just weird schedule. Two rookie quarterbacks at home with three away divisional games to start the year. It is strange, and then London right after that. So and then going to London to yeah. go play a Titans team that will literally try to stab you in the jugular for four quarters, and you hate, and they hate you, and that's the way it is. So strange, strange, strange opener. Um, man, I don't know. It's whew, odd. It just feels odd. Marcus Williams is – I think Marcus Williams is really deflating. I think we tend to overrate a lot of players in terms of like, oh, the backup is going to be like uh, – might as well jump off a bridge. Like the backup's going to be so horrible. The backup's like average below average. The starter's probably like above average. I don't – you know – Sure, Ronnie Stanley could turn in the greatest performance of his life next week, but like he didn't look good at all. He was missing blocks in the run game left and right. He got pushed back into the pocket a ton. He didn't have a good game. I don't think Linderbaum looked great either. Offensive line wise, you know, it stinks. Continuity is important. You want those guys. Marcus Williams to me, it sucks. Like that is a shit injury for the second straight year. Financially, it's a shit injury. Schematically, it's a shit injury. You are able to be so risky underneath because you had someone that teams don't want to test over top and have to look off. He doesn't take the bait, all of those things. Geno Stone is a fine backup, but Marcus Williams makes plays on the football nonstop and I think is so smart on the back end. Just the way he plays the chess game with quarterbacks and isn't able to be manipulated allows you to do, run a lot more single high coverages, a lot more of the four under three over top stuff, cover three, cover one, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. So um, I think that injury sucks. 
<laughs> him and Marlon Humphrey being out, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, you know, of, of, like you said, of course, you know, the Bengals play like crap. Now they're going to have their home opener. And the Bengals, who do start slow, it feels like pretty much every year with Joe Burrow, uh, they, they need to win this game. Like, they can't start 0-2. That's really, really, really putting you behind the eight ball if you start 0-2. No, they did it last year. Browns and Ravens are in your division. They did it last year. Exactly. So it's uh they they tend to start slow every single year. Burrow's rookie year, I think they went one and three to start, if I'm not mistaken, and then uh, we're like super competitive in every game. It was like an end of game decision, whatever. But um, yeah, man, it's whew, tough sledding, tough opponent, and a lot needs to be figured out. Um, they really just need Lamar Jackson to play confidently, look confident. And the thing that Cole and I were talking about earlier today was just like, man, if he could just get the ball out underneath in rhythm to his backs and to his tight ends, it's like, all right, well, JK and Mark Andrews both aren't there. So you give him that, you know, hall pass a little bit. Just the one thing that's kind of stuck is that if you want to not run the ball, you have to be able to get the ball out, like without thinking about it to your check downs. And it feels like he always has to think about it. It always has to be a decision that he makes. You have to watch a gear turn. He has to look at it. It just doesn't make any sense. Like he is so hesitant to throw the ball to check downs, but will whip the ball with incredible anticipation before a window opens to Mark Andrews over the middle of the field or where like, you know, Deshaun Jackson, 62 yards downfield before the routes really even broken that much. I do think he sees scrambling as kind of in that kind of same bucket uh, as a check down. So like maybe that's kind of where his mind at and where, why he like double clutches sometimes like he's kind of like maybe trying to influence the defense to run around a little bit. That could be it. Definitely. You're absolutely right. Definitely. It is. And I think a lot of often, the reason I feel like he's not great at it is because of that. And the fact that as a coach, you kind of want him to do that. You don't want to have a running back at the line of scrimmage that invites a linebacker to the line of scrimmage. It's two extra bodies basically in the way. And so you want to clear things out a little bit more, get the back to the flats and and whatever. So um, then because of that, he hasn't done it as much as someone. Let's talk. Let's think about maybe a, I don't know, Dak Prescott, who's like kind of the same age as him. Dak Prescott has checked down probably 800 to 1,000 more times in games from college through his time in the NFL than Lamar Jackson has. Like Dak Prescott is probably actually gotten the ball out underneath 500 plus times more than Lamar Jackson. So the reps are needed. That's the thing I think that will alleviate this offensive line a little. The manufactured touch stuff, I don't know, against the Lou Anarumo defense, like getting the ball to Zay Flowers and stuff, I don't know. The, the Bengals usually rally and tackle really well. They usually scrape. They're really good at their lever spill lever stuff. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just really curious how this game plays out. I, I don't know. It's a divisional game. Anything can happen. So weird, 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 weird. But hey, they won. We just need Lamar Jackson to uh, to feel a little more comfortable, figure some things out, and they'll be good to go. And after your one burning question, did want to give a shout out to Black Eyed Susan Spice Company, uh, one of our favorites. Uh, just you know, producing all the spices. They've just got all all the uh, all the fire, all the fire uh, spice that you need. It's just the best. And you can use Exit Fifty Two for ten percent off of your purchase. They've got a new product in Captain Clyde's Cannonball Crush. It's a little bit more on the mild side, I think, is what I've seen. Uh, need to get some of it in my hands, but it is a shout out to the Orange Crush, and uh, very excited to check it out. The guys are very excited for it right now. So that is BlackEyedSpices.com promo code Exit Fifty Two for ten percent off your purchase. And that was one burning question, going all the way back to the Odo Beckham thing. But yeah, we can move forward uh, into. The Deep Dive, brought to you by Fed Thrill. That is also going to be a 10% off uh, first purchase with the code XF52 at Fed Thrill to get some sunglasses. It was not a great sunglass day on Sunday. I'll just be honest. I was looking forward to rocking my sunnies out to the tailgate, but it was just muggy and uh, overcast, and it wasn't great. I still actually did wear them because I, I do like to be sunglasses guy in overcast weather sometimes. But, uh, you know, it, there's still plenty of time. We're still, we're, we're still in summer here, like I've been alluding to. So hit up. Fed Thrill Sunglasses, 10% off, exit 52. You had a question for the deep dive, something you wanted to dive deep into. Is it a little difficult to really judge this defense based upon the circumstances uh, of that week one game? I think it is, very much so. I don't think they've been tested at all in any way, shape, or form. The Bengals coming up are 
their one burning question that they've probably had when they think about the Ravens, their divisional opponent they play twice, is how do we generate explosive plays against Mike McDonald? I think they probably have some tricks up their sleeve. I think there's going to be some coverage manipulations, some things they anticipate. Marcus Williams being out does not help. Geno, Geno Stone's you know not some some scrub, but I think the Bengals might have a little something something for the Ravens uh, that they've been waiting to bust out. Some ways of forcing some looks, things like that. So uh, I just don't really think you didn't get a chance in coverage to like have the Texans press you downfield. Tank Dell kind of screamed down the field a couple times, a little bit uncovered and things. And CJ Stroud just wasn't even, I don't know if it was even part of the play for him to look at him, but um, I don't know. It's like you got Kyle Hamilton, Geno Stone, Ronald Darby, and Brandon Stevens as your DBs as you're going to go play the Bengals in week two. Um, I know that if there's one thing about this Ravens team that I'm very confident in, like the most confident thing I am about this Ravens team is that their interior defensive line, their linebackers, their edges will set that line of scrimmage or die. They are beasts up front. They have a bunch of thick-bodied, angry. Their defensive linemen kind of are a little shorter, so they get leverage. They can all kind of stand up. Washington can stand up some double teams. I saw Matt Abike stand up to some this past week. Michael Pierce, obviously. I think Michael Pierce had a great game. Uh, looks really quick. Looks just like he did last year before that unfortunate injury. And... Um, I, I think they'll set that line of scrimmage like nobody's business. Ajabo looked less green, setting the edge, biting down against split zone, crashing off the backside, things like that, reducing himself, hustled. Adafi Owe looked awesome. Um, I think these guys are like, this defense is like, I think Roquan's really the center of it. I think Kyle Hamilton fits into this very much so too, but it's like they are the douchebag meathead jocks that like want to stuff kids into lockers and like giggle at farts and stupid stuff. They are like the quintessential like bully football players in a movie. And they want to bash. They are the bash brothers. They want to smack and have fun. Like they're hitting and giggling and being weird. And I don't think Patrick Queen is that kind of guy, but I think like he he's, can he's buy not. in. Well, let me just he can you. buy into that though real hard. Like he can be influenced into being that way very much so. So he's kind of like he's not the main an, he's not the main antagonist in the sports movie, but he's like his guy to the right. He just like repeats whatever the guy says. Like Roquan Smith, he's just kind of like doing whatever he does. Do you think that there's like a uh, maybe a little bit a little bit of a rivalry dynamic brewing here with them and the uh, the other frat house across Camden Yards? One's a little bit more you know kind of pretty boy, long hair, hitting bombs, you know, bong and dongs, that kind of thing. And then this is kind of a little bit more of a traditional meathead type thing. I'm a little curious about that. Um, I, I think it's like the, the mad men. Like, I don't think about you. Okay. I think, I think the Ravens don't even know that that like exists. Okay. I think they just like Roquan Smith is just obliterating smelling salts, popping zins and wants to go make like, he wants him. He wants to like hurt himself, not like injure himself, but he wants to like, like, be like oh, that hurt. <laughs> like they are, they're truly meathead. Kyle Hamilton came out, had some sticks, man. Brandon Stevens laid the wood. <laughs> Brandon Stevens was a missile. He will like he actually he gave up a pretty a pretty decent sized completion because the guy had a curl and I think he either tried to jump it or he just tried to absolutely obliterate he tried to, like, the guy. Jump it, I think. Yeah, the guy just catches it and runs like twenty yards. It's like good job there, Brandon. But then uh, he he absolutely laid the wood a couple series later, so it's fine. Yeah, he had a, he had a he had like three big sticks. Him and Darby were like living around the line of scrimmage. I have not seen a cornerback performance like that since. And that's uh, why it's so tough when Williams goes down. Cause it's like, all right, we'll just have Williams patrol a deep half and that's fine. And we'll have him patrol the boundary side or the, the far side of the field. And then Hamilton or someone else will drop back there. They trust Roquan Smith and Patrick queen. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, because of the limitations at corner, I think they're going to have to concede a lot of space over the middle of the field. And then they just want to funnel that's going to be the the bend but don't break thing. It's like Joe Burrow is going to run play action under center, float the ball sixteen yards over the linebackers' heads, like seven times. That's what I'm what I'm expecting to happen. But um, yeah, the the defense is a bunch of jock, like meathead, like dicks. Like if you were if you were a listener and you're like didn't play football growing up and like didn't really like the kids, like maybe you played soccer, you didn't really like the kids on the football team. Like these are the kids on the football team you didn't like. That is the personality of this defense. Sounds about right, and yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's hard to judge. You're you're right. I mean, they were 
that offense, I mean, Slowick, I thought, actually had some nice calls. He worked the play action a little bit. He got a couple guys going open. Let him get in C.J. Stroud moving a little bit. Yeah, he got some guys open on crossing routes over the middle and stuff. So, he, you know, it looked solid in certain ways, but they were just so limited. I mean, there was nothing they could do. And, you know, I mean, they go for that fourth down early on, which you made the point that it was a little bit of an emotional move by Ryan's there. But it's like, what else are you going to do on the road? Like, you're just – you're severely handicapped if you're in that spot. And I think the Ravens knew that, and they played into it, and they just, you know – like you said, they sat back in those two high shells and, you know, one high sometimes with Williams who has enough to cover and they brought all their guys forward and they just said, not, not one single yard you're gaining on us. And, you know, it, it's 2023. So they did, but ultimately nine points speaks for itself. And I think my, that was, my takeaway from the Texans is like their run game is going to be really, really good. Sure. And Damian Pierce is going to be good. Their offensive line can clear out. They've got tight ends that can, that can see a little bit. And the Ravens just were like, Oh my God. It it was like, I am legend when the zombies are just hurling themselves into the plexi, into the plexiglass, like trying to run through it. That's, that's the, the reference that's really come to my brain. Some of the, The I I am legend. Yeah. Some of those like key play calls, like they had, I think on the fourth down, it was Smith got the sack and then queen got a sack as well. And I think a third down or yeah, that was kind of reversed. I think queen snuffed out the fourth down. Then Roquan, when they got down to the red zone late, he uh, had a big sack on Stroud, uh, which held him to a field goal. It could have been a competitive game, really, if they had scored a touchdown there, but they were just all over them. I mean, it's just, if we're not really having any tape on that offense, they probably knew, had an idea of what they were going to do based on the San Francisco stuff. But yeah, they were just, it, it, for really not showing a ton of stuff, as you're saying, it just felt like they had an answer for everything. Right. And uh, I mean, tightened up at home. That's when you look back. I think what we maybe didn't touch on Last episode, what the Ravens go score 18 points in the second half and let up a field goal. So Boa Constrictor got a little more confident. Lamar Jackson started to move. They started to push the ball a little bit. Um, as much as like, I just, I guess my week one overreaction to maybe wrap us up a little is like, as much as we want Lamar Jackson to be something else, he's best pushing the ball down the field and buying time. Like that is. Him, Mahomes, Allen, a lot of these quarterbacks. I don't – my week one overreaction is that, like, they'll get it going a little bit, but if you're really going to try to force the quick game underneath stuff, it's not where he's comfortable. You need to ease that in more and push the ball downfield. He likes to air the ball out. He always has a higher A dot and all that stuff. So let's spread it out maybe more, but push the ball – um, quarterback run stuff, whatever, do it, don't do it. There are decisions that go, I don't know what it's like to pay a quarterback a quarter billion dollars that goes into it probably as much as a play caller's input does there. There might be like Steve Bashotti down. This is how Lamar Jackson's going to be a little bit. Yeah. But Steve, forward. like Steve, and I don't think Steve would do that. I, I don't think that's the way that he, he, but he, he wouldn't be like oh, Dan Snyder about it, but he might be like, Hey, I think organizationally, I would love to see us move in a direction where Lamar isn't putting his body on the line quite as much. Hey, if you got to do it, that's as long you, as that's your decision, that's my input. As long like, as it's exactly. rational and level-headed like that, and they don't go totally in one direction because you paid Lamar Jackson, you did not pay Matt Ryan. Right, exactly, exactly. So, and then the, a lot of week ones, that's what Lamar does too. He did it against the Browns when they blew them out. He did it against the Dolphins when they blew them out. Not trying to run a bunch, not calling his own number, not you know they're not putting in a bunch, bunch of run stuff. If I was can, impressed, yeah, if I you will can, say. If you can save that for late in the season and win games, absolutely do that. Because that was huge the for them that, in 2020. The, the, go ahead. No, I'm just, I'm just saying that was big for that. That was what they did in 2020. And then when they came out of the COVID buy or whatever, and he just absolutely went nuts with the counter bash and they won like six games in a row. Like that, that could be the approach they're taking. Definitely. Coming off a PCL injury too. Like it's not like that, you know, didn't happen nine months ago and didn't take him a little while to, to get back to normal. But um, in that same vein, on the other side of the foot, other, other shoe, whatever, I don't know what I'm saying, but he did check into a lot of runs. I think, if I had to guess, like maybe half of their runs looked like it was probably a pass call and he checked into it. If there's a way to successfully move into a second part of your career and maintain a run game, it's being Tom Brady and being a run checker, understanding numbers and fronts and things like that. And I think Lamar's always done that. I think it's more him checking into calling Gus Edwards and Justice Hill's number than his own number, but he still will call his own number. You know, as as the the stakes increase, they're gonna have to use that, you know, at points. It's like you said, they you paid Lamar Jackson. 
but checked into a bunch. Looked like a lot of it is having maybe a pass play and two run plays, calling the pass play, and then there's a, a run directionally and then a shift. And I think we saw Lamar Jackson check into that run or I guess check out of the pass play like at least six or seven times. Looked like he killed into a run play. So um, that's part of playing quarterback, knowing when to go get free four yards when you have numbers or the right look uh, based on what you can kill into. And that looked confident. I think they did well when he checked into run calls. I think they looked a little smoother when he checked into run calls too. Um, aside from there was one where it looked like he checked into it and it was like maybe an option or something. And he, Gus Edwards like – ran right upfield in like a veer or something. And then Lamar Jackson was like, oh, I have the ball. I have to go run for three yards right now. And Johnny, we just saw Josh Allen do that on Monday Night Football and then ran right into Michael Clemens and fumbled the ball in his own territory. But Jackson didn't look quite that unseenly. So check into uh, Lamar Jackson expanding his capacity to uh, check into the run game. That's that Tom Brady shit, man. Mm, shout out to autoplay on there just completely railroading you um okay want to get into some listener questions before we get going yeah definitely okay pulling them up now only going to answer probably about half of them because we do kind of tend to answer a lot of these during our opening stuff uh jordan brownstein what seeds did monken plant against the texans that he's going to build off of slash use against cincy example the jet motion with flowers as a decoy with a run going away from the motion I think the one thing I saw that was most curious was using 11 personnel. It wasn't as much as we thought, and they do start bringing Ricard in, but they were using Bateman and Aguilar as tight ends and like split tight ends off the ball with their hands on their hips and having them chip an end and then run to the flat. And I think there's a little trickeration coming of lining up that way, running some like Y leak. Like we see, shout out Bobby Slug, shout out Kyle Shanahan, who we were talking about, that George Kittle play where it's like you fake a block, boot, the tight end runs up the opposite end of the field, and it's like a throwback Who, Who's play. that kid on the Packers that got it thrown twice his way the other day? And he, uh, he, uh, he's, I think he almost scored on one, then Love like overthrew the shit out of him, but it got open twice. Like it was crazy. I didn't, I didn't, need, I didn't, I actually saw very little of that game. Good game. Love looked good, not as good as I thought he would. Hmm. Some some Mickey Mouse uh, some Mickey Mouse big plays in there. Little Texas route to Aaron Jones. They scored on. Really wasn't sustaining drives the way that I wanted. Big tape guy. Interesting. I love that. I love that. Love that take from you. Love that breakdown from you. Very good. Mm. But yeah, I think I think I think we see them start playing around with receivers in weird places uh, in the backfield. Zay Flowers in the backfield. Aguilar Bateman lined up at tight end, motioning to that or shifting. I should say to that, running something that way. Um, I don't know. They didn't throw the ball over the middle of the field. They, they, they like, there were some dig routes and stuff. It just wasn't like a lot of, uh, you know, tight end option stuff, all that, all that Roman stuff. So maybe that has more to do with Mark Andrews being out. We'll see. But um, didn't attack the middle of the field. Didn't do anything really fun out of putting those receivers on the line of scrimmage in the formation. And I guess in tight, I should say. But I think something's coming. They, they kept doing that. It was like, we're doing this for a reason and we're not calling anything interesting out of it. So there's there's something coming. Yeah, no, it know. felt it did feel like they were kind of holding their cards close to the vest on offense too. And I mean, you know, I, I do think that Andrew's getting back in the mix. That's going to be a big help. Uh, I mean, Dax Hill is going to certainly have his, his work cut out for him. I think he might have had an interception in week one. He looked pretty solid. But yeah, it's going to be, uh, I, I'm expecting them to uncork it a little bit more. And really, like, they're going to need to. They're going to need to get the ball out quicker because no Linderbaum, potentially no Stanley. That's tough. And uh, need to see a little bit more out of this running game, too. Run the damn ball, as your hat says. Run the damn ball. I want to see Justice Hill cook a little bit. I want to see uh, Justice Hill get some touches on. Two uh, touchdowns not good enough for you? Nope. I said that in my like group chat of all my friends from Towson, and I was like, I said to them, "You guys should pick up Justice Hill, not Gus Edwards." And my friend goes, "What nine carries for eight yards?" I was like, "Okay, man, sick." Yeah, you don't want those points. Potentially getting involved in the return game at, at times too. I mean, it's just it's great value. Uh, Looney Tuna, what are the rate? What are the chances the Ravens extend Dobbins on a relatively low price two year deal or something similar? Or is it just a lost cause at this point? I feel like it would be like a one-year deal uh, that if Dobbins wanted to come back here, which I'm not sure that he honestly would, 
Um, maybe just a clean break would be good for him. But uh, if that were to happen, I would think it would probably be a one-year deal. This is like the type of situation where like the Ravens will re-sign him and it will be like a it'll be like Ravens re-sign J.K. Dobbins to a one-year $4.5 million deal, and everyone will be like, why the and it's like, oh, most of it was incentives, and it was like a $1.5 million deal base salary. Um, I think this is the kind of situation where it's like, come, all right, we were getting a little feisty with each other. Like, all right, just come come rehab here, okay? Just repeat, literally repeat whatever he was going to make this, this year in a one-year contract and say, hey, just come back. Let's try that again. I think uh, I, I think this is where the Ravens like extend the olive branch a lot and are like, we would love to keep you. If you want to do it here, we would love to have you, um, you know, stay here. You're familiar. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, go elsewhere. I don't know what he will do, but I just feel like the Ravens would love to. Like, I do think he's going to be emotional and I do think he's going to want to be like, okay, well, like what's out there on the market? Where can I go and like really prove myself? But like really his agent is going to probably have to sit him down and say like, hey, man, you're coming off a Achilles here. You've been injured. I think he's going to know at this. I mean, at this point, he hasn't played football really in. Three seasons, three seasons. Yeah, but it's just like, like you, you just you know how it's, and it's nothing against him. I like that he's this way because it makes him competitive. But I just feel like he's you know he's gonna get a, get in his feelings a little bit, and he's gonna like try to maybe want to test his options. But ultimately, I think he's gonna want it. He's gonna come back here. He's gonna recognize this is the best spot for him to uh, rebuild his stock. Um, they just can't rely on him. I mean, I'm drafting, I'm drafting the piss out of a running back in the upcoming draft. Okay. Let's yeah, may I will after the second round because I am more of a premium position studs guy. Um, Zeke, tell me about Harmon. Yeah, so Raven signed Duran Harmon. He says, I know nothing except he's 33 and almost an exclusive free safety. Yeah, just kind of like your typical like Bill Belichick, like rotational safety, like plays a lot of special teams, solid guy, you know, decent all around, not going to wow you. Super has had some super clutch interceptions and stuff during his tenure with the Patriots. I think he got fl- I think he got Flacco on that uh, the 2014. Um, he was the one who picked him off when he was targeting Torrey Smith there that lost him that game. So there, you, there's Deron Harmon for you. He that great call and he started all 16 games last year for the Raiders. Raiders defense wasn't great or anything, but he's probably the most like I would assume the reason they signed him and Darby is because they were the most like play ready, like in shape, ready to go. Um, I'm glad they did that. I think that was a huge move because Lord forbid one of those other safeties goes down this week. You had to, you had, you they had no other option. They had to sign someone basically today. Uh, have to bring someone in quickly. Probably you're like upset that they didn't sooner in hindsight. Absolutely. Uh, Jay, do you think the zero blitz will continue to be a problem for the offense? How would you attack it? I think that's an interesting question in that like even bringing four I thought the Texans did a nice job and then it did look like the Ravens offensive line and Lamar by extension got a little overwhelmed by the front at times so thoughts on that I think like they literally just had trouble with the snap count twice they actually beat it on third down and threw a Zay flower screen and he just shimmied right up on field up the uh, left sideline and just converted it immediately so I think Munkin has a more competent screen game and uh, you know that's that's something we've talked about for way too many hours over the years but I think it'll be all right. Uh, there was another one where Odell tried to run a speed out and just Stingley just like sat there and then just ran the route for him. And I don't know what uh, Odell looked really weird at a couple, couple times, like breaking laterally and stuff. It looked really peculiar. And like he was giving indicators of where he was going way too early. I'm sure, you know, he'll clean things up. He's a technician in many ways. So um, I, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be in a solid spot with that stuff. Nice. Yuri, without Marcus Williams for a few weeks, how does that change the Ravens' coverages that they can run? Do you give Kyle Hamilton some run at free safety? I feel like we saw a little bit of that with him in a gold Yeah, he did do that last week, so I would think, yes, you're definitely going to see him playing deep third. Um, Has to, man. I mean, he's Kyle. there shouldn't be a thing in the Ravens' defense that Kyle Hamilton you don't feel comfortable doing, considering where you picked him and what your expectations are of him and what type of player he is, what he did at Notre Dame and has shown in his his short NFL career so far, he should be able to do everything on the field. So, um, yeah, I think we will see him do that a little bit more. Stone is going to be back there a good bit. They they asked him to do it last year. He started getting toyed with. Stone can get a little, like I said, Mark, the difference between Stone and Marcus Williams, he's on that deep third. You go under center, start running some under center play action stuff. 
Stone's mouth will open and his eyes will start looking at the quarterback and they'll start manipulating him and moving him. Uh, a lot more than Mark. I mean, Marcus Williams is one of the best in the NFL at that. So I don't think I'm being mean there by saying that about Geno Stone, but I like Stone. I think Stone can play some man coverage. I think he can come up, play a little off coverage and man. We saw him bait Tom Brady last year against the Bucs, do some fun stuff. Good tackler. Um, just man, Geno Stone, you have a chance to make yourself 15, 20 million dollars if you can go play really, really smart football, not have those exact things happen, not get baited, not void assignments deep. You can go make a lot of money. He's a good football player. He's talented. He has great ball skills. Um, I somebody somebody that I like respect in terms of like film analysis and stuff was saying he has no range. And that was shocking for me to hear. I, I can't remember who it was, but saw that take. It was like Geno Stone has no range. I don't want to see him on a field. I was like, what the hell? Um might have been Denard maybe said that. But <laughs> anyway, um yeah, Kyle Hamilton should definitely be playing some free safety. I totally agree. Especially based upon the fact that he did a lot of that at Notre Dame. Um Jack G. Where did it go? God darn it. Oh, Lord. Let me filibuster. I somehow lost the... Uh, Should we get used to fewer heavy sets with Todd Munkin's offense, which was asked on Instagram by Joe Knows a Spot, formerly Joe Boken Ninja JC, our boy. Joe Knows a Spot? Joe Knows a Spot. Yeah. I mean, Greg Roman's going to run those higher than... It, Anybody but probably Kyle Shanahan and Arthur Smith. So, yes, we should get used to that. Jack Gerard, which banged-up unit presents the bigger liability? Offensive line of the secondary. Are you more concerned about the patchwork OL impact in the offense or the secondary being tasked with covering a star-studded wide receiver group? I kind of feel like the secondary was already a little bit of a weaker point anyway with cornerback, and we already talked about the idea of your offense is going to have to be your defense in some of these games. So losing offensive linemen, that's that's tough for me, especially two starters. Like, that's brutal. So I'm going to go offensive line. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a rock and a hard place comparing Linderbaum and Stanley going down versus Humphrey and Marcus Williams. Harbaugh said maybe Humphrey plays this week. We'll see. Um, Humphrey's uh, getting a little shout-out to the settle, man, and uh, the punchline pot. Humphrey himself is getting a little antsy to get out there, I think. I, I expect nothing less. I mean, he has the worst ADHD maybe in the NFL. So I would expect him to be very like. Got to get him on some uh, him on some zins. I feel like the caffeine would maybe calm him down. Don't give him a smelling salt. He'll he'll like he might have to go to the hospital or something. Um, I don't know. That's a tough question. I'm gonna go secondary because I think Williams and Humphrey open up so much for all everything else your whole playbook coverages you want to run all this other kind of stuff and now you are super neutered in a lot of uh what you can ask cornerbacks to do like i would expect the ravens to pretty much play like a ton of cover i would think cover two is a heavy 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 look and cover two variations i don't think they want those guys turning and running and they're going to try and force burrow to throw over the middle of the field that's what they've been doing but it's more cover four stuff, cover six stuff, match man stuff. You don't want to play man coverage against Jamar Chase at all. One snap with these corners. And I, I expect a lot of like flat duty for, uh, for the corners. Um, so I'm going to go DBs in this one. Like I said, I think the offensive line, you know, you'd like to have it, but McCarry's a vet. He knows what's going on. Um, I think this offense probably suits McCarry a lot better than it's Greg Romans did, frankly. Um, but Mustafer, Linderbaum, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go secondary. Zach Ballinger asking about the split uh, with Justice Hill and Gus Edwards going forward. How are we going to, you know, what are we going to see there? And is Justice Hill going to get a lot of the goal line carry still? I think we will see Justice Hill get a lot of carries out of gun run. I think we'll see Gus get a lot of the pistol stuff. I think we'll see Gus get a lot of short yardage stuff. And Hill and Edwards will split carries based on that criteria in like the goal to go. I think the Ravens like Mel Melvin Gordon. Like they've been linked to him for years. They, they like love that him. Player. They love him. They have for like three years. They've constantly been like chatting with him and stuff. So don't, don't be shocked by that one. Yep. So, yep. 
keep that keep that on file. Uh, Josh Hill, last one here. Harbaugh, Harbaugh mentioned in his press conference on Monday that Yassin would be in line for more reps than he got on Sunday. How would you evaluate the number two corner situation behind Marlin, especially after seeing Darby look healthy and Stevens play well? Is it matchup based? Yeah, I think it's definitely matchup based. Um, I think you got to move Stevens like as soon as you can. You you you. I said it in the offseason. You you want Stevens at safety. Like he's We a- got another question about that, funny enough. I feel like that would kind of loop in here. But yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. I, I think you want Stevens ultimately at safety as soon as you can, knowing that he's gonna have to bounce back and forth just because you don't have any other options. Darby is like can't even think of an ex- it's like late career, like Dominique Foxworth. Like he's fine. He'll good receivers will abuse him. He is okay. Great takes. He, exactly. He uh, <laughs> he'll he'll be he'll be fl- he can't run routes for guys. He's not going to be like he can run in a straight line. He can tackle. He can play football. He's just not going to be like technically beating the crap out of guys twenty five yards downfield and able to stay in hip pockets and transition with good route runners that can drop their weight. Like Darby can't cover Zay Flowers at all. What's yeah, up? he's he's a junkyard dog. He's he's kind of he was getting turned around a little bit there by Robert Woods at points, and yeah, he but you know he's coming up there and throwing that throwing that face mask in the mix and fucking guys up around the line of scrimmage. That was great to see. I tweeted that he exactly. looked like a dude, and he's just a dude, and that's a good thing. Exactly. Hit hit the smelling salt. He was hitting the smelling salt. Oh, Yasin, Yasin yeah. should be the best of that bunch. Like they brought him in for that reason. Um, he has had a lot of injury problems. So also a super physical guy, but I mean. I'm not expecting Darby to play over Yusin as soon as you feel comfortable with Yusin. I just don't – I don't know. It's weird. It's kind of weird to me that he didn't play. So I guess Yusin just needed some more time, and I, I, I don't know. It was – I don't know. Maybe Yusin wasn't in game shape, so maybe we do see him get like a ramp-up period because how does Darby come in off the street and play but Yusin can't? So the injury must have been like something that took him out of game shape, and Darby was just in better shape to play significant snaps. Preseason game. Just getting looks at guys, you know? Exactly. On Instagram, we had your heart, JDM, your favorite or preferred potential trade targets, if any. Um, I don't know. Mine was John Grenard of the Texans for like a year, but I think the Texans, Texans, if CJ Stroud can just be like average, I like, I like what I saw out of them. I like what I saw out of them. They are going to, they're going to really puppy dog him. He's going to have the pee pads in the house. They're not gonna. They're not even gonna smack him on the nose or anything, you know. They're they're really gonna baby him. It feels like to me for at least three four games, which hey, I'm not mad at it at all. I usually like when quarterbacks sit for a bit, but um, I don't know. A defensive back would be my best guess. Tyler Huntley for Jordan Whitehead, straight up. Sure. Any 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 Jets defender, anything at all. DJ Reed. Let's let's do you one better. Oh, there you go. Timmy Leibs, better concession, M&T or Camden? I, like, don't eat ever at M&T Bank, not in, like, the last couple of years. Dude, it's it's impossible to get anything there. No matter yeah, when you go, no matter how you try to time it. it out, it's a fucking 30-minute wait every single time. We have to figure this out. And we do a great job with the game day experience. It's all very good. But if you want to get your hands on a personal pizza or a pretzel or a glizzy or anything, you are waiting for 30 fucking minutes and it's just infuriating my best guess would just be that they like don't have the workers that they need because it's not it's like such a limited time job as it does seem like when you get up there i'm not putting it on these people because like you see them they're trying they're just like you, no no no. we're not blaming the 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 employees on game day we're blaming whoever is organizing this as a whole i don't know if they have the stock right or i don't know if they have the the infrastructure to like cook all their stock at once because like they're always like ah we're just waiting on it we're waiting on it we're waiting it's like yeah i get it like it's just brutal but like we got to figure something out we we're mad at the, the the c-suite people that are not having this a uh, smooth running operation yeah this is steve we i i hope this gets back to you i'm sure you're listening let's let's get let's this figured see. out hey start complaining about it on twitter it's a good point start complaining about big cat look at what big cat does we don't have that following but hey we'll, we can cook well, up uh, if we if we do that then he'll get wind that we're doing it and he'll you know skull f whoever the the offending party is for us yes exactly um but to answer your question camden is better either way final question how does jake feel about odell and marlin potentially playing together against the browns 
in a few weeks. I saw this one. I feel uh, I feel good about it. I feel like this could be a potential, like, you know, the part in the movie where the, the two rivals get together and they, like, find out they have more in common than they do different. Uh, yeah. Yes. So, that's something to I track. Like yeah. I like that. We're, we're waiting on Marlon to, to get us going here. We'll get a... Uh, man, hope... I really hope Marlon plays this week just so we could get the victory playing. That's yeah, that's I'm, or maybe he doesn't, so we know what the heck he's doing when uh, when they're traveling. While, while Very he's true. Hurt. Yeah. Do they Very win true. without him though? I mean, it's, it's a real, uh, really something to track, really something to monitor. Strike one, John Means. Woo. Um, okay, is that all we got for today? That is all we got. This went way longer than I thought it would, honestly. But I guess there's still an episode. I thought this was gonna be like 37 minutes. We gave you guys a little over an hour. We're, we're pumped up. I'm happy we get a little instant reaction. We can come back a little sober, clearer of mind on Wednesday morning. You guys will be hearing this. So heading to Cincy, transitioning that way. Then we'll be doing our game re or previews coming out on Friday morning. So keep your ear to the grindstone on right after the game, live reaction every Wednesday and every Friday. We'll be hitting you with the jumbo set. And then with just the flagship, usually Brian Taylor will be in there too. Breaking down the upcoming opponent for the week. We'll also have, of course, the flagship pod running with Eric at least once a week and whoever else wants to join Eric. I kind of feel like that's what it is. It's like Eric's on there and it's going to be other people joining. Yeah, rotating cast of characters on that, including one Jared Carabas. Check out today's episode. It was a fun one with Eric and Taylor and uh, Carabas called in. uh, DraftKings own. Just a a great analyst and a big, big friend of the Orioles. So that's that was a good listen. It did. The clips I heard, I haven't listened to yet, but it sounded like a lot of fun. So. Check that out. Give us five stars. Leave us all the five-star reviews. We, we had to kind of rebuild here. We built up Baltimore Beatdown. We got into some SEO. I was doing some Facebook ads with my own pocket money a couple years ago. We, were, we, we put a lot of sweat in there. Give us some reviews. Share this podcast with a friend. Help the boys out. We're on Apple. We're subscribe on YouTube, on YouTube too. Tell, your, uh, tell your, your friends to subscribe on YouTube. That, that'll help us as well. We can monetize that. Uh, and uh, yeah, maybe some content coming that way too. Uh, watch this space. Jake's going to be playing Madden is my guess. No. Oh, I, I try. Um, I'll be throwing some YouTube work up too as we get into yeah, it. Yeah, it's just, it's tough with Madden. It's just so much so much work to just put out one 30-minute video. Maybe I'll stream. Who knows? Oh, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll be coming to you breaking down the Bengals. You guys will hear it Friday morning. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. And Means gives one up to Paul Goldschmidt. As we get out of here, thank you all for listening. Like he said, follow us on social at exit52podcast on Instagram at the X52 podcast on Twitter at Jake Luke. That's L O U Q U E Spencer's at Ravens Four dummies. That is the number four. Uh, follow Brian at Barstool Banks, Taylor at Taylor's my 10 and Eric at E D I T T I 22. Thanks again, guys. We will talk to you in a few days. See ya. Arrivederci. and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Trust. Big, big trust. Big, big trust. trust. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me close.